Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm so glad you could be with me for this conversation today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Sexual brokenness comes in many forms, and it's something that most of us are dealing with on some level. And whether it stems from prior sexual abuse or the infidelity of a partner, or perhaps even feelings of shame and condemnation that have come from improper teachings about God's design for sex, this is something that impacts us in our present and the relationships that we are attempting to embark on. Dean is here to talk about sexual brokenness and some of those improper teachings and how they have distorted the image of what God has really intended for all of us when it comes to sexuality. Dean is also here to help us fill in some of the blanks when it comes to understanding God's design for sexuality and how that plays out in our dating relationships. Before we get going today, I have a quick announcement. Beloved Collective is getting an upgrade. Our private Facebook group has been growing, but we see a need for better security and an enhanced experience. So beginning August 15th, Beloved Collective will transition away from Facebook and onto a new website where we have already begun building a unique free community experience called the Plus One Parents Collective. Check your email and watch our social media accounts over the next couple of weeks for more details. Over the last several months, I've received several emails from women asking, where is the loneliness type quiz? And it is back. As single moms, loneliness is something we all have to deal with, but the reasons why we each deal with it are different and don't have that much to do with being in a relationship. To learn more about your experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and some of the ways out, start with our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz. And you'll find a link to that down in the show notes or by heading over to plusoneparents.org. Now, I know that this topic is a difficult one, and there may be some things that we discuss that are hard to hear or may even be triggering. These types of conversations are difficult to have to cover all of the nuance of the variety of experiences that our listeners have had when it comes to sexual brokenness. For that limitation, we appeal to your grace and thank you for your understanding. Here is my conversation with Dean and Sarah. Dean, I'm excited to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Dean, this is sort of a a delicate topic, but it's one that I think in your newest book that you address really well. And there's a lot of understanding there about the fact that single sexuality is something, number one, that can be difficult to grapple with. But then on top of that, and something that many of our listeners are dealing with is brokenness that comes from abuse and mistreatment but that can also come from incorrect teachings. And I think that that might be a really good place for us to start from so that we can start to cast a new vision for ourselves when it comes to healthy biblical sexuality. 
So I wanted to know if you would start us off with helping us to understand maybe some of those incorrect teachings, you know, perhaps as it relates to purity culture and why for so many listeners, they may feel that those teachings really cause them to miss the mark. Yeah, well, I grew up right smack in the middle of the True Love Weights movement. You know, I'm, I'm a teenager of the 90s, I was. So, so I my youth group gatherings and conferences we'd go to and retreats, it all seemed to center around, it was right in the middle of the peak, I guess you could say, of that time. And we didn't call it purity culture then. It's called that retrospect, looking backwards. And, and I, I first want to give the benefit of the doubt and say that I am thankful for anyone that would want to point young Christian teenagers, you know, to sexual abstinence. And I think that's a good thing. But I think the really the battle plan behind it uh, had the wrong action steps outside of simply just abstinence. And the action steps were more of a mindset that I think as a teenager, they were just making us think about the wrong things. Uh, So the entire approach was you don't want to be the one on your honeymoon that hasn't, as the words they would use, saved yourself for marriage. So with that whole approach, it created kind of two different sets of people. And the first group was kind of a really, it's kind of unavoidable. And that's a pharisaical kind of person who would say something like, since I have waited, now I deserve someone who has waited as Mm -hmm. well. And if you haven't, you're not someone I want to date. You're not good enough for me. They might not use that language. That was definitely the mindset. And that was definitely Mm -hmm. the conclusion they would draw. And the other side was just really unfortunate. And it was... Both are unfortunate, but it was this, well, since I already have been involved in a sexual relationship, even as a 16-year-old, right, which, which is common you know, nowadays, their boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it might be, uh, that now I have already done this, therefore, it doesn't really matter. I guess I've already disqualified myself from this. I can't stand this phrase, but the damaged goods was kind of mm-hmm. the words that would be used. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really a, a posture of shame uh, and of guilt, but also just continuing in sexual brokenness because you know, the mindset was, oh, well, I guess I already messed up. I wish, because neither one of those things, the pharisaical approach or the guilt and shame or the gospel of Jesus Christ, neither yeah. one is. Yeah, yeah. I wish the approach would have been, here's God's design for us. Because when you're a 16 year old, I mean, thinking about your future spouse, I'm thinking about like where we're going, if we're going to Chick fil A or not that night. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, so I wish it would have been here's God's design. Here's what God has made for us. Here's why it's good. Here's why it's glorious. Here's why it's for our good. And as people who are claiming to know the Lord and to be saved by Christ, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, he died so that those who live don't live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. Here's what that looks like, you know, in, in this in this mm-hmm. glorious design. Here's what God's grace looks like in this. And that was just really absent from the conversation. And, yeah. and, and I think as a result of that, people still have like psychological scars from that because of what they convinced themselves they were or weren't Truly, you know, a, 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 as a result of it. Truly. And I think you see that damaged goods type of mentality permeating culture still, Christian culture still. And I think that's one of the things, for example, being a single mom, you already wrestle with that. You already feel like I got used up. And for some of us, we may feel like these were our best years, or I did wait for somebody and it still didn't turn out right. You know, And so there's a lot of disappointment that comes around, firstly, having an expectation that was not set in the right course. But then on top of it, the remainder of the people around you, you know, sort of, it seems like, oh, well... Mm, too bad for you. Like you, you obviously didn't make the right choice from get go. And if you had, then perhaps things would have turned out differently. And it's just, that's so not the way 
of our, our life stories. You know, you can do the best that you did. You could do, you could try to do everything you could to make your, your marriage stay together or do what you thought was the best in the moment and still not have things go right. That's, that's part of having two people in the equation where you've got another person who has their own, their own sin issues and their own expectations and all those sorts of things. And that ultimately though, if we can just tear down that that shame and condemnation that can come from these things. And we have the ability to rebuild with something new and start over. And I think that's challenging to do if you feel like you're in a community, for example, where it's difficult to, to do that. You may feel like I'm doing that within myself and I've made peace with God. But if you don't feel necessarily that the people around you are okay with that, then sometimes it, it means you know having to, to start everything over. Yeah, and I and I think it really is a a story and a testimony of experiencing what it's like when someone goes outside of God's design, mm. right? I'm sure many listeners have been hurt deeply, you know, in, in a relationship by someone who wasn't practicing God's design. If it was a former spouse, yeah. or if it was a dating person, a boyfriend, whatever it might have been, uh, or uh, maybe you yourself uh, had uh, stepped into this brokenness. Uh, but it's important that you know that, that all of us know, myself included that how maybe some others might see you right now, or you might even see yourself right now. It's not how God sees you. Hmm. Let's see how Jesus throughout the New Testament dealt with brokenness, especially in the area of sexuality. We see his approach to the woman at the well. He, he sought after her. Yeah. And we see, we see the woman who was caught in adultery. I know many of our listeners, maybe you weren't, there maybe someone else who was caught in adultery, and maybe you were as well. Look at Jesus' approach. Like he, everyone else, the, the one that could have condemned her didn't. Yeah. And the ones who wanted to condemn her with the stones in their hands, they couldn't. Why? Because they had their own sins as well. Uh, so so I, I think I, I just really, and this is not me being super spiritual here. I think this really is the essence of our faith, how the world sees us and how we often see ourselves. It's not how God sees you. Mm-hmm. You know, God sees you as his own. And, and I just want you to know that so badly. I want myself to know that so badly. And yeah. so, and, and again, the true of wasting, there's always a sort of, there's always a testimony of someone who would just come up and say, I made a mistake and I'm not going to do it again and all this kind of thing. And, and a lot of you are probably way past that. You know, you're, you're, you're past that. You've worked through a lot of things. Uh, your biggest priority in your life right now is maybe trying to raise your children in the Christian home and, you know, and, uh, and to provide for them maybe what you hadn't had these past few years, decade, whatever it might have been. Uh, so my, my, I really just want to encourage everyone when it comes to sexual brokenness, now our job on the other side of the redemption is to what I call recover and pursue. Mm. Right, recover and pursue to, to now pursue that in your life for God's design. If that in, in, in your singleness, uh, in your future dating relationships, in your current dating relationships, you're dating again right now. Uh, that we're, we're pursue it and now say because it's for you, like it is still for you because mm. God has made this, and I, and I just want you to, to be able to live and celebrate what He has given us, and that's His design for marriage and sexuality. That's good, Dean. Dean, let's talk about that design. Let's talk about you know if we have said, okay, I want to step away from maybe some misunderstandings or some things that haven't gone the way that I had wanted them to go, but I have a, a new path before me. I've got a new way that I can go. Can you talk more to that design through a biblical framework? Sure. Well, I think we we'll to be unashamed and clear concerning what it is, you know, that, that God made a man and a woman to be husband and wife, and he made them be one flesh. Now that's more than sex, but it's not less. 
And that mm-hmm. union is, is not just this isolated story. It is the story throughout the scriptures that are all in harmony together. Uh, theologians call it biblical theology, how the Bible fits together and tells one grand story of Christ's redemption. And the marriage institution is a big part of that. So Jesus, when he's asked about marriage in Matthew 19, marriage and divorce, he references Genesis like as a historic event, as the design, and talks about the one flesh union. In 1 Corinthians 6, when Paul is confronting the Corinthian Christians about sex with prostitutes at the temple, he doesn't go off on them about prostitution and how it's demeaning, even though it is. He doesn't talk about how it's, you know, unsafe or unhealthy. He doesn't talk about how it's, uh, it isn't illegal. It wasn't, he doesn't go, he instead talks about Genesis. Hmm. And he says, don't you know the person who lies with her becomes one flesh with her? As in you're doing permanent things with temporary people. Hmm. So then his next line, a couple lines later, he says, so flee from that, right? And he doesn't condemn them. He says, flee from that, you know, like, like flee from sexual immorality. And then you get to, uh, in the book of Ephesians, when Paul's talking about the gospel, about our union with Christ in the church, in the same breath, he's talking about husbands and wives. Mm. So it's like, which one are you talking about? Are you talking about marriage or are you talking about Christ in the church? And the answer is yes, it's both. Mm. Because the because marriage is the visible portrait that God has given us, the one flesh union, to show us the invisible reality of our oneness with Christ. Mm. So for everyone, for the married person for 50 years, the single person recently divorced, never been married, we all, if we claim to be Christians, have to champion that as God's design. That's what God has given us. So what makes all of this complicated is there's no such thing as dating in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it bad. It just makes it neutral. But in our culture, the way you meet someone is through dating. So if the Bible doesn't talk about it, it means that we have to make up the rules. And that's yeah. what culture has done, right? And we've more adopted the culture's rules than any. So rather than not having a guide for dating, we do have an understanding of what God expects of his people and what he's designed for us. So I tell our folks from a married single all the time that the sexual ethics are the same for everyone. There's not a separate category for single adults than there is for 16-year-olds, than there is for married people. Mm-hmm. And that is that God has designed sex to be between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Mm-hmm. I have the same ethics. I do not have the right to go be intimate with anyone I want to. Yeah. You know, and so so or, or or one other person except for my wife. And that's glorious in God's design. So I tell our folks all the time at church, I say it's important to know that sex is not for mature people. It's not for ready people. It's not for in love people. It's for married people. And and I, I want to acknowledge the fact that to hear that, I know many people listening to this believe that, but to hear that when you're not in a marriage relationship is like, well, it's easier for you to say, you know, I, I get all that. Okay. I know I, I'm not, and I get it, but so I've been married for a long time, but like, I, I acknowledge that. Okay. Like I acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, and so, but I, I think that's just part of the journey uh, of the Christian life it is is sometimes saying, God, I trust you. And mm-hmm. you you actually, I really do believe in your sovereignty. I'm actually going to put my theology and my beliefs on, put feet to them. And that doesn't mean that you, that you love that every day. And we talk yeah. about like, the, and I don't mean just the sex, I mean the, the, the marriage, the companionship, that, yeah. the relationship, uh, where we see in the scriptures that creation like longs for Christ's return. And if marriage is for you in the future, which that's, I don't, I don't know, maybe you don't, don't want to be married again, maybe you do. Don't be ashamed of either one of those things. Mm-hmm. Like there's no shame in desiring to be married. There's no shame in saying, you know what, I, I just, I'm going to live my life uh, and, and put all my priority into just my children and my career and getting our family. What, what, there's no rules there. Uh, there. Whatever you think the Lord is leading you to do for the future, that might even change too. 
might be yeah. a season. Like I'm not, you might be someone who says, not anytime soon. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that, but open down the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But just know that that God does have a design. Yeah. And it's for his glory, most importantly, but it's also for our good and all of us, regardless of our status, to use for lack of a better word, uh, is uh, our called as Christians. I'm not talking about unbelievers here, Christians are called to live in this. So that'll be just kind of my yeah. sermonette about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think you pointing to the fact that for our good is, yeah. is a piece of this, you know, that um, if we start in a place of like, what is allowed and how much is too much and those types of things like we're asking the way wrong question that the question is what is what is good like god is good and he does good and he creates good things and so if we are looking at these things our relationships whether again marital relationships or even relationships in community even just the differences god has ordained between male and female and how we are all supposed to fit together in the things that we offer and the things that we even lack. That when we look at all of that together as a picture of the way that God relates to us and and how the how he relates to his bride, it's an imperfect picture because we're imperfect people, but that if we are following in his design, we will flourish in that design to the best of our ability on this side of eternity. And that's really what it's about is, is what is good for you in flourishing exactly the way that you can in this life. And that when we step outside of those bounds, it harms us and it harms the people, especially our kids. It harms the people closest to us when we are taking that design and kind of playing house with it, I guess is the best way to, yeah, to put that. We're, we're, we're yeah. kind of, you know, we're, we're walking out the steps maybe, but not really. And, you know, ultimately what ends up happening is it becomes a shell of what it really can be. And I think many of us have lived in relationships like that, where our relationships were a shell, really. They were a mockery, really, in some cases of what God had or has ordained for relationship. And that though in recognizing that that is truly what God wants for us is flourishing. He's not trying to hold out on us by saying like, oh, this is, you know, this is for the confines of marriage. He's not trying to to withhold something good from us. He's trying to make sure that we have the ultimate good, whether single or married. Yeah. And our world knows, I'll tell you that that's what's so, what our world knows it's broken. I mean, look around and look what happened. Look what has happened as a result of generations and generations and generations of departing from God's design for marriage and sex. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just look around our world right now. I mean, it, it's, I don't, I don't want to say it's like out in the streets. I don't want to come across as mocking, but the, but the, but it's like, how's this working for you? It's yeah. almost what I want to, I want to take a megaphone and just yell that sometimes. I don't hope, I hope I don't come across judgmental on that, but you just look around and go like, look at the world right now. Look at the brokenness mm-hmm. and the hurting and the, yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's like, wait a second, maybe God didn't know what He was doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, when He gave us this, and I mean, look, look at all the people who've been hurt, even even by the people that they should have trusted the most, like a husband, right, or, yeah. or, or a wife, and it just shows what happens when 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 this when God's design is broken. But thankfully, God's in the restoration and repairing business. Yes, Amen. And, uh, <laughs> and that, and that's the great news. That's the great news for us, and that's our one of my my things I'm passionate about is letting people see the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a place where Satan really tries to trick us and can be the most deceitful in trying to make us think that what feels like quote unquote freedom with this is really what we should desire. Um, It's not all that different than 
him telling Eve, you know, well, if you have this, you know, you'll be like God, like it's, it's not all that different, you know? And so we, when we can see his tricks for what they are, then it makes it far easier to say, uh, no, that's not really freedom. That's just bondage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's two, there's two things I tell our church almost every week. And I really do think it's the story of the Christian life, but in terms of what we're up against, and that is that there's two lies that we are prone to believe that go back to the garden of Eden. Eve, you brought up Eve. And that is that one, there's more to be gained by disobeying God and there's Mm. to be gained by obeying him. I think we're all tempted with that every day. And the other one is I have to go around God with the things I'm looking for, meaning, purpose, fulfillment, hope, happiness, joy, rather than actually to him. And Mm -hmm. I I think those are two lies that we're tempted to believe every day. You know, I know I am. So I think we have to believe that Jesus really is better. And that's that's not cliche. That really is what we have to fight ourselves to. You know, with him, make my heart believe, Lord, help my own belief. You know, yeah. Jesus really is better. Yes. And I have had to learn that the hard way. There have been many times with dating relationships that I've ended up in that I really should not have ever even embarked on. And it was because I thought, well, I have to help God. Like, this is not going to happen unless I get out there and do something. And so I, I'm just going to, you know, uh, hope he blesses it. And yeah, he blessed it. He blessed me right out of it. You know, it was one of those things that he was just too good to let me even try to to contrive something that was less than what he really wanted for me. You know, and I think, and you alluded to this though, our understanding of God's design for sex then also influences the way that we date. And when we talk about even breaking things off generationally, this is important for us, but it's important for the way that we would teach our kids. I have a teenager, you know, and and we're already starting to talk about what do you see in your friendships and what do you see with boys and and girls in the hallways, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And having a a right understanding of God's design then helps us move into that space where we're working in a kind of a cultural framework of how do we meet other people when well we're working in a cultural framework that may not necessarily have respect to the Bible. And so Going back to that conversation about purity culture, though, so far as it comes to dating, some of these incorrect teachings or incorrect understandings have moved us towards this overcorrection in dating and perhaps in being undercommitted or too committed. Would you talk more to that? Yeah, well, one, I, I say, again, it's really way some purity culture was just almost made marriage into an idol. Mm-hmm. really. And it was like, that. this is the goal. And I do think that marriage is God's design, but at the same time, Jesus was single, Paul was single. I mean, so we can't say it's ultimate, right? But those are two different things. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, it's definitely not ultimate. So I, I think that what we're seeing happen here is that either the results are now people are just kind of flippant about marriage and, and they just like, I'm just going to date and do my thing. Or again, it's like, it's ultimate. And so what happens for Christians oftentimes uh, who now are just in regular adult life, like mature adults who are, you know, working their careers, you know, talking, you know, 30s, 40s, that, that, that kind of world, 50s, is this kind of pretend marriage mm-hmm. where either we date forever, you know, with kind of no end in sight um, or um, a, a cohabitation, mm-hmm. you know, has really become a big thing as well. We're almost, it's almost like that's like the new engagement. Yeah. You know, so so I, I think that the, some of the purity culture uh, results are the fact that some people just kind of wave the surrender flag kind of figuratively mm-hmm. and been like, you know, I tried all that. I did the best I could. It didn't work out for me. You know, I, I desire companionship or, you know, but I don't know if I want to be married. So we're kind of going to do this in between thing. Or, or we almost like think that God sort of like gives like an ex- exemption policy for sex for people who are adults 
or a little bit older, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, the college student that's involved in sexual, you know, sin, the teenager, like, hey, that's not okay. But like the 50 year old, it's like, oh, well, it's okay because it's just the two of us. Like we're mm-hmm. monogamous or, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we have to remember that dating and even long-term dating relationships is kind of a fake commitment because mm. we're only committed until one of us isn't. Yeah. Right. Cause you're not obligated to that person. And I also want you to be encouraged in that, that like with people listening, you're not obligated to that person. Like they are not your husband or wife, but like, like they're, they're not like they're, they're a made up category. Yes. They mean a lot to you. They probably done a lot for you. Um, you know, the companionship strong, but, but you, you can get out of that relationship anytime you want to. I know it might be complicated. You might share a mortgage together. You might, there might be a lot of very complicated things. But following Jesus does interfere with our lives. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't know that's complicated. And I think that's going to be about like strong friends in your life to help you talk through that. And also, I wouldn't date someone that doesn't agree with you on God's design. Because mm-hmm. we see a lot of people who are involved sexually in relationships that don't believe that's what they're supposed to be doing. And they're not doing it again. They're not doing it against their will. They just have, it just sort of became a thing, right? It was just like, well, you know, we're dating and he's a good guy. And, Mm-hmm. You know, I trust them, and you know, it's, and, and but but I we have to make sure that the person you're dating actually believes that too, because if both of you believe that, I would hope there's a better chance of going. Hey, okay, we've been here, and I think we need to make sure. I think we need to repent of some things, and you know, and have some boundaries in place, and you know, things such as that. Or we need to have a conversation about what the future looks like. Like, are we moving towards marriage? Yeah. And so, so and if we are moving towards marriage, then we don't have to. Think, we don't have to do what we're doing right now. We don't have to live together. We don't have to, you know, act like we're married or we're not and, and things such as that. So I hope that's the answer. I hope that answers the question. Yes. Yeah. And I think we just kind of, as Christians, have to choose Jesus when it comes to that, not ourselves. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. Safe Haven is a biblically-based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. I think this idea of understanding that a lot of times we're treating dating as fake marriage is really, I mean, to me, it was like pop, like that's true that some of us, especially may because of particular woundings, we may have anxiety about relationships and we want that relationship to be as committed as possible as early as possible. And so we're jumping right in with conversations about, you know, how, how many, you know, people are going to be at the wedding and, you know, all that kind of stuff really (laughs) early on. And number one, it's dangerous because there's people who are going to prey on someone who is looking to just be committed that are like, cool, I've got you hooked. We're set, you know? Um, But on the flip side of this, we don't then really spend the time getting to know a person's character. We don't spend the time seeing if the trajectory of our life is matching up with the trajectory of their life and the missions that we each uniquely have. You've got to spend some time kind of walking those things out. And if you've already decided within, you know, six weeks that you don't want to lose this person, you're way more likely to overlook those red flags because you're already emotionally committed in the relationship. But if we take the step back off the cliff and don't commit so quickly, then we have the ability to watch with way more discernment. We have the ability to deal with emotions and temptations that may end up coming. But in understanding too that 
we don't have to stick with something because we've already gone too far, whether that's emotionally, physically, whatever. And as you pointed to cohabitation, there's just statistics upon statistics about how cohabitation is dangerous, not only to the health of a relationship, but specifically for single moms, you know, and and for our kids, you know, and so for us to, to delay these things is always in our benefit. And I had read a research study a while back and it talked about the fact that it talked about commitment between men and women and the introduction of sex in the relationship. And it said, as soon as sex is introduced in a relationship, a male's commitment tends to go down, whereas the female's commitment tends to go up. So if that is something that is on the front end of your relationship, you're already now dealing with a declining commitment without the protection of covenant. And I think that's that's the point yes. of what we're talking about is that when you have those, whether it's a decline in commitment that's biological, whether it's something that just happens because I am frustrated with you today or whatever, covenant is the point where, nope, we're not getting out of this. Like we have decided this, we're going to work together on this, but we've done all of the work on the front end to make sure that this is something that we want to endure for the long, we want it to endure for the long haul. We want to grow over the long haul rather than it being, well, I guess it's kind of time because we've already done all the other steps up to this point. Yeah, that is so well said. Yeah. And I, I just really appreciate that. And I'm like, you want to come to our church and share that? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, and also outside of the sexuality side or the sex side, I had a college student one time who was engaged and he says something that I was just so, he just brought it up. I thought it was just like, wow, okay. He said, you know, the only thing, oftentimes the only thing that changes for Christians when they get married is now they can start having sex either for the first time or have it not feel bad about it. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. He said, it, that shouldn't be the only thing that changes. Mm-hmm. Like, because oftentimes the dating relationship, the level of emotions mm-hmm. and the emotional intimacy is something I don't think God designed for a man and woman who aren't mm-hmm. married. You know, I, I think there's companionship that's great and friendship and all, all those kind of things. But yeah. he, he, so, so I think that's what to think about too, is how much emotions of ourselves, I, I don't mean physically, I mean like, like, I mean like actual emotions that that go into a dating relationship that were never meant to be that. Again, obviously, as you progress towards engagement and those kind of things, you're going to, I mean, that's going to be shared, obviously. But how, how often out of the gate, like you say, is it yeah. just, it's a 10 out of 10 and we're yeah. setting ourselves, I, I just I worry that we're setting ourselves up to for hurt again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I have yeah. absolutely been there. I was always a girl who was wearing her heart on her sleeve. I was like, here it all is, you know, and, and to me that felt like I was just being so authentic. You know, I was just a free spirit, you know, kind of a person. And I was saying that, well, that's who God made me. I'm wired that way. And over the, the, the course of being injured multiple times by leading with too much emotional intimacy, I started to recognize that, no, I'm doing this because I'm trying to fill a hole. I'm trying to feel connected to somebody that even though I can have these really strong physical boundaries, I want to just let anybody and everybody into my emotional space too. And learning to guard that you know, I think sometimes it's difficult when we talk about, you know, guarding your heart and things like that, because it, it has all of this stuff connected to it that just feels very legalistic and making rules and all that kind of thing. But it's like, once I knew the what it was to have peace robbed from me and then turn to the Lord and have him restore my peace, it was like, oh, I can't let anybody have oh, this. 
<laughs> you know, I don't want, yeah. I don't want anybody messing this up, you know, <laughs> and, and these are, but as we, you know, and, and we're talking about these subjects and these are hard things and God knows they're hard for us. And he is constantly like intervening. He's constantly trying to show you things. He's constantly pulling you out of the deep end because he wants so much for you. And that's just one of the things where I've built so much trust, where the Lord has just helped me to build trust with him in this is actually in the times I didn't get it right. And how he was just still there though. He was so kind. He wasn't, there was no condemnation for me. You know, it was like, oh daughter, you know, like I love you beyond what you could understand. And if you know what it's like to let that hole be filled by my love, then what you would receive from somebody else would just be a, a mere reflection of that rather than you looking for that to be the end all be all. That's so true. I mean, Romans 8, 1, there's no, therefore no condemnation of those who are Christ. Yeah. Keeps going down in the chapter. If God's for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? Just, we have to yeah. just tell ourselves that over and over again, let that be what we really believe is best. Yeah. Yeah. Dean, when it comes to being harmed in previous relationships, and this was something you alluded to at the beginning, There are many listeners who have experienced some kind of infidelity of a partner. And in your book, you talk about the connectivity between physical sexual adultery and spiritual adultery. And this was something I found extremely healing. Would you talk more about the connection between going outside of God's design and the condition of someone's heart? Yeah. I mean, when when God in the Old Testament is, is rebuking Israel, for their idolatry, he compares them to a, a adulterous spouse. Like that's the, I talked earlier about how marriage is the visible portrait of our union with Christ. Mm-hmm. Adultery, uh, like, like physical adultery in marriage is a, is a visible portrait of what, of the big picture rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, it's a spiritual issue. So when I, um, when I talk to um, my counselor, uh, that I go to uh, about like people that have hurt me, uh, um, not, not not my marriage, but because I've thankfully by the grace of God, I have a very very strong healthy marriage. Uh, but just like as a pastor, either people just hurt me and those kind of things. He taught me one time. This was so hard to hear. I, I kind of gave this look like get out of here. <laughs> you know, but mm. but he he said to me, he goes, you have to learn how in your hurt to have compassion on for these people. I looked at him, I said, I don't want to do that. Mm. He said, well, maybe that's why you're here. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and he said, they are in sin. Like they're being used by the devil, you know, like, and, and that's, that's definitely, that's like going to make us angry. We should be angry towards them. But like, but then it comes down to the fact that like, they're, they're wayward. They're wandering. They're, they're the, the they're, maybe if they're a believer, they're the prodigal son who's gone to be with the pigs. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I, so that's been helpful for me and just hurt I've had as a pastor, people just treating me poorly or, you know, just the things that pastors deal with. Uh, and, um, and I love being a pastor. I'm not complaining about that, but just that that's had some hurts, you know, that, that yeah. I thought it was wise to go do counseling for it. But that mindset of like, that leads to compassion because these really are people who have gone astray and are living for the world and are living for the bales to use an old Testament, you know, illustration of the the idols there. And and so I I think first and foremost, that's what adultery is. It's rebellion against God Mm. before, but then we sadly are the recipients of the hurt and the pain of that brokenness because rebellion against God is rarely just ever a me and God thing. 
right? It has it has yeah. these this far stretching, and unfortunately, it's going to hurt the person that that you pledged your life to take care of the most. Yeah. You know, so so I'm never going to sugarcoat it. I'm never going to go, yeah, look at the bright side. It is a it's a horrible sin against God. Right. And for those who actually are the ones on this podcast who are listening to have committed to themselves, I get we've talked about this the whole podcast that it's about that God's in the, the God's in the rescue business and the restoration business. Yeah. The fact they're even here listening shows me you've taken some serious steps towards that healing and rest and recovering and pursuing God's design. He's not done with you. Yeah. Okay. But for those that are still hurting from what's happened to you, um, I, I think it's important to know that it happened to God first. You know, like his people have committed spiritual adultery against them. Uh, against him for generations and generations. And sadly, uh, when people rebel against God, one of the main things they're doing is they're saying, God, no thanks. I don't want you, what you have for me. I want what I have for me. Yes. And it leads us, and it leads us to, some, to some destructive places. Um, but that idea of compassion, I know it sounds so crazy, but we also believe that Jesus died and came back to life three days later. We believe some crazy things. Mm. <laughs> That's what I tell people. Uh, but I, I think that, that that can one day maybe be a posture for you. That doesn't mean you accept it or that you're fine with it or that you want to be best friends. Yeah, I'm not talking about any of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, or even that you, I mean that like you, you go, wow, this is somebody who is living for the world and it led to destruction. And sadly, myself and my kids, you might say, are, are, are the victims of this, you know, um, as well as others in our lives. Friendships change. I mean, everything, it wrecks, mm-hmm. it wrecks everything, right? Yeah. Everything changes. And here's, this is going to sound strange at first. It's supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. Because when we depart from, it's not supposed to be that way in God's design, the world's broken. But when we depart from God's design, a wrecking ball is going to come with it. So that's how serious we have to take this. When God says he's doing this for his glory and also for our good, this is what it looks like. I mean, how different would your life be if if the person listening, if that had never happened? It'd be very different, right? It doesn't mean to be perfect. I'm sure there's, there's probably other issues, but it'd be very different, right? So that's not to, that's not to, pour salt on the wound. That's just to be us very aware of what brokenness and sin does and what it looks like. And so my, my encouragement is just to see that what that's even bigger, you know, bigger than the fact that the person hurt you, which is very important, a very big deal. They first and foremost hurt God. I I mean, like, you know, and so, but, and so that's, I think we just see the whole big picture. It's like a cosmic battle. Adultery. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just it's more, it's more than just oh we grew apart and I met somebody at the gym and the, it's and I got a burner phone. It's 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 more than all that. Like that's yeah. it's so deeper than all that. And we sometimes just want to go oh well y'all didn't communicate well enough or you know you it, just those kind of you know it's like yes I mean those are all things that are helpful but it's bigger than that. Like it's a cosmic yes. spiritual battle that somebody gave into. Yes, and, and, and they believe the lies of the devil that there was more to be gained by disobeying God. Than there was began by obeying him. And I got to go around God for things I'm looking for rather than to him. And so I think we got to first and foremost see it as that. I hope that's helpful. I really believe that. And I think that's the storyline of the scriptures. Same way we see marriage throughout scripture, we see this idea of spiritual adultery throughout scripture mm-hmm. as well. God compares it. That was really the adventure of studying the scriptures that I went on when I when my marriage ended was why does Jesus talk specifically about sexual immorality? Why is that the thing that he's honing in on in the book of Matthew, for example, like what, what is the implication of this? And then in realizing as you read the totality, especially if you're reading into the book of Jeremiah, where he's, God is saying, I divorce you for your adulteries. He's saying this, you know, that 
we understand that this is not just an action, as you said, that just kind of casually happened, that there is so much of a heart posture. And that, and I love that you pointed to both sides of this equation, though. If this is you, that you have stepped out of God's design in this way, that you are aware probably of your heart posture that led you down that path. And by the grace of God are heading back towards him and that he can use those things for your good and that he is in that restoration business. But then also for those of us who have experienced what it is to be on the receiving end of adultery and have experienced someone else being unfaithful to us, that not only can we understand, as you said, that this is a an issue between them and God primarily, but then that really helps us to understand that so much of the rejection that comes along with this or the condemnation, you know, as you pointed to like, well, maybe you just weren't doing your wifely duty, or maybe you, you know, were contributing in some way. Maybe if you had done X, Y, Z, they wouldn't have done this, you know, um, or this feeling of like, if I had been this feeling of like, if I had been more this or less that, then maybe they wouldn't have done that. We can put a lot of those things to rest when we understand that some of these things really don't have anything to do with us, that we were just on the receiving end of this rebellion that played out really between them and God. And as you said, though, compassion, I think some, somebody may have been listening to you and been like, what is he talking about? Like, I I I said, same thing. I was like, get out of here. But that's where (laughs) the freedom is found. But it's in first, it's, it's in first recognizing what forgiveness is. And it's in recognizing that God is not calling you to say that something was sinful is okay. He is not, that is not what forgiveness is about. He's actually calling you to say this wrong thing happened and it hurt me in this way. And I am now having to deal with these consequences, but rather than be the one to take all the retaliation upon myself, I'm going to lay that aside. And Lord, I'm going to let you work this out the way that you want to do that. And I'm going to go in peace. That's really what we're talking about. We're talking about forgiveness. And then when we do recognize as you can move in that, you're going to move closer to the Lord. You're going to be able to see how far from the Lord that they are. And that's where that compassion comes in. It's like, wow, your life would look a whole lot different if you knew the Lord the way that I do. And that's really where some of these things that are so hard that God can do such a, a restorative work, what, no matter what side you're on. So good. Yeah. So, and, and again, look, look back to the garden of Eden. Again, Jesus played. That was a real, real people historic. Uh, that is our source. What, what's Adam do? First thing he does is he blames Eve, mm-hmm. right? He goes, he, he's like, look what you, it's some other reason besides the fact that he was a coward in the moment. And, you know, yeah. it's somebody else's fault. And when, when adultery happens, it's always at first somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. The spouse is like, well, she doesn't do this. He didn't do that. You know, I didn't feel that doesn't mean you make the decision to you, you made a conscious choice to go and do what you did yeah. because you believe in the moment there's more to be gained by disobeying God and there was begin by obeying him, you know? And so there's that human nature we have to always, to, so just know that you're the recipient into that. If you're the one who has, whose marriage was, was, was broken because of adultery. Uh, I, I just want to tell you, it was not your fault. Mm. It was not your fault. Either there's 15 things you could have done differently. It still was not your fault. It's an issue of spiritual adultery. And you've committed spiritual adultery yourself. You haven't committed physical adultery, maybe. You've committed spiritual adultery. Uh, you know, we all have in our sin. Every time we sin against God, that's what we're doing. Mm. Uh, but thankfully, Jesus is there uh, for, for broken people to restore them. I just really need you to hear that from me. Uh, it's, I don't care if there's 15 things you could have done differently. There might have been. 
still not your fault. Mm-hmm. You did not make the choice to go and violate the covenant you made in marriage. Someone else made that decision. Somebody needed to hear that today, Dean. Thank you yeah. so much for that. Dean, I have appreciated all of the, just the guidance and the insights that you've brought to this conversation. At the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? Yeah. I, I'm not saying this because I'm on the Christian Single Moms podcast, but y'all, y'all, I'm serious, y'all are heroes to me. I mean, seriously, y'all are heroes to me. And I just want to thank you uh, for for the what maybe you didn't sign up for, but what you have received. You know, so why I really truly mean that. Like, thank you for raising the next generation of kids to love Jesus, even though it did not work out the way you thought it was going to. God has you there as their mother for this purpose. He designed mm-hmm. those children in your womb or brought them to your family via adoption, whatever it might've been. And, uh, and that's, that's a glorious thing. So my, my kind of, that's to thank you first and this admiration. And then, but also like, I think the fight for the spiritual fight for my generation, I'm 41 going forward into the next decades is really actually believing that Jesus is better, mm. that he really is best. And there's so many battles out there and fights and debates and arguments, but like to me, it all goes back down to the fact that we really believe that the greatest blessing that God gives us is himself in Jesus Christ. Like that is the great blessing. So I just want to encourage everyone to really just fight to believe that I'm working on it as well. So, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate your ministry. This is such, I think you have a great, great ministry through this podcast and Thanks, please Dean. press, please press on and keep going. Will do. Thank you. (laughs) Dean, would you tell listeners about your new book and how they can follow you? Yeah. I I wrote my most recent book is called Pure. It's through Moody Publishing. It's why the Bible's plan for sexuality isn't outdated, irrelevant, or oppressive. And I'm just kind of a regular guy. I'm not trying to like be some scholar. Um, I I wrote it for just regular folks, you know, I'm just to, to talk about sexual ethics and God's plan for sexuality spend a couple of chapters talking about the whole purity culture deal and all those things. I just want to help folks actually be able to have these conversations, think about these matters. Uh, and so I, I'm, I hope it's helpful. And I hope it's helpful for, for believers to be unashamed, but also to be clear and confident in, in what God has said and what he's told us. So I'm a pastor of City Church in Tallahassee, Florida. I love interacting with folks. So I'm on Instagram and, and, uh, and Twitter. It's just my name, Dean and Sarah. And we'd love to interact or answer any questions you have or something like that. And I'm, I'm, um, I've been married to my wife for 18 years and I have three kids who are uh, 16 at 12 and eight. So we're uh, busy down here. Life is yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. And I will include links in the show notes for listeners to be able to find your resources more Great. easily. Dean. Yeah. But thank you so much for joining me today. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you. If you found this conversation helpful, you might also like episode 113, Uncomplicating Dating, How Communication Helps You Grow Through the Awkward and Uncomfortable with Eric Demeter. You may also want to listen to episode 76, Healing Sexual Wounds, Moving Towards Sexual Wholeness and Grappling with Single Sexuality with Dr. Julie Slattery. We'd love to invite you to get involved with the Plus One Parents community. You can join us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. And on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Also, at plusoneparents.org, we are constantly adding new resources related to all of the topics that we cover here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. That's everything from parenting to dating to spiritual and emotional well-being. If you'd like to stay up to date on the new resources as we release them, you can join our mailing list there as well at plusoneparents.org. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always 
that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. <laughs>